Matt, how, how awesome was, was worship? So good. I'm uh, so thankful that we have a team that can um, not just worship, but they can actually play really well, too. That helps, you know. Sorry, I'm going to... Especially Kaber. How was that? Um, that was my guitar that he just dropped. I forgive you, bro. Love you, man. It's not one of those guitars. It's one of my old guitars. I have two new ones that someone blessed me with that do not touch this platform unless they're in my hands because they are worth more than my house, probably. So no one will be playing those, unfortunately, for them. Um, <laughs> um, but hey, uh, is Jillian, Dennis, is your wife Jillian here? Jillian, are you here? Right there. Um, I think I gave, maybe gave, given you this word like a, a few months ago, but um, I just felt like there was a big harvest coming. And what I saw is that you guys were in like, um, uh, like a terminal waiting for a flight, but you've been on standby. Um, but I heard the stewardess call your names, um, Dennis and Jillian Jones, um, to board the flight. So, um, yeah, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, um, I hope it blesses you. You guys are, are a blessing. Um, I look at some lives um, who have been in the faith for a while, and it blows me away because I see how, you know, as a 27-year-old guy, how fickle I can be sometimes from week to week, and these people are doing it for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years as Christians and staying married and engaged in the church, and um, it's not an easy task, but thank you, Dennis and Jillian, for being such an example for us. Um, And... uh, Dennis faithfully serves on our great team, but um, they led a church for a long time, and they have a great pastoral background, and it's awesome that Dennis will serve regardless if he has a mic in his hand or not, so thank you for doing that as well. That's awesome. Um, Cool. And then a few things before we get into it. Um, uh, uh, If you were at our men's breakfast a few weeks back, we had an opportunity to serve Grover Beach Elementary School. Um, and that kind of came to be this week. And so um, this Friday morning from 9 to 12, the men's ministry of Equippers Church is going to help teachers move back into their classrooms because they, they've done a remodel. Sorry, this is cutting in and out with my hand movements. But um, they did a remodel. And how crazy is this? The district, and God bless you if you're on the district, but this seems a little crazy. Um, they, they left it up to the teachers to do all the moving of their own classrooms. And so think about it. Um, they're, they're on their school break, you know, this is their time off, and now they have to move every piece of their classroom from one building to another building, and it's up to them to figure it out. And so we said, hey, that's not okay, we can help. Um, and so as the men's ministry, um, this Friday from 9 to 12 at Grover Beach Elementary, and if you want more info, uh, you can see Eddie in the lobby, Eddie Velasquez, he'll be at the red tent. So I think that's a cool opportunity. Um, the other thing is, is Young Adults is back on this week, uh, Woo! We have an epic young adults ministry, don't we? It's the best one. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Chris Johnson. Um, cool. That's this week at Pat and Terry's house. But good morning. morning. You guys doing well? Yeah. You happy? Yeah. Is it a good New Year's? Yeah. You recovered? Yeah. Did you stay up till midnight? Yeah. Who stayed up? Awesome. That's re- I'm really proud of us. I did too. I, didn't, I did not expect to do that, but we stayed up till midnight. Um, you know, here's a gorgeous trick that we learned from our cousins is that on Netflix there are um, countdowns. And, and so what happened is we were at my cousin's house and they have three young children. And it was about 8 o'clock, 8.30. Um, and the kids, you know, like they want to get in on the celebration. They know what's happening. It's New Year's. And, and so around 8.30, we call them out in the living room. We said, guys, it's almost time. You stayed up. Good job. How exciting. And so we had a countdown on Netflix, counted down, celebrated. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you stayed up till midnight tonight. Wow. And then all of a sudden they were really tired, you know, because it was so late. And so they went in and went to sleep, which I thought was a great parenting hack. All right? It was a genius move. And so I'm sure we will do that in our, in our future. <laughs> <laughs> like every night, <laughs> like just changing the clocks for the kids, like, you're up so late. Oh, that's awesome. No, no. <laughs> we can't lie to them at daily? Okay. All right. Cool. Just learning. What about Santa Claus? What about Santa Claus? See, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> Anyways, um, my name is John, if you're new here. 
Um, I'm lead pastor, but I serve alongside a great team and with my father, Pat Sparrow, who's our senior pastor, um, and we love doing what we do. Uh, we think this is an awesome church with a bunch of really cool people who are on mission to change their community, and uh, I couldn't ask for anything better in life than that. Um, and also, for those who have been with us for the last year, just reflecting this week, thank you so much for making 2017 happen. Um, I counted this morning in our prayer group at 9 a.m., which you should come to if you don't yet. Those are typically all volunteers, and there was at least 50 in this room with probably 25 elsewhere. And so there's a lot of people that make this thing happen every week. So if that's you, thank you so much um, for making it a, a great year. Um, because of what you do, we see lives change, transform. There's families who ended this past year with a relationship with Jesus that they did not go into the beginning of the year. So I think that's really cool. But I just have something brief, brief but um, before I do, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your presence. Um, I just ask now that we could join in with what heaven's saying, what heaven's doing. Um, I ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. And I just ask for a spirit of, uh, of gratitude to arise in each and every one of us as we dive into your word in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you that you are reconciling the world to yourself as we speak even now. Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're going to go to the Bible um, in, in the Old Testament. Um, we believe that the Bible is truth. Um, if you don't believe that, that's fine. Hang out. Please do. We love you either way. We hope you feel at home. Um, but to us who are Christians, we believe that the 66 books that make up this Bible are truth. It's God's word to humanity. Um, and there are, are 39 books that make up the Old Testament, 27 that make up the New Testament. And today we're going to look at that first half just briefly in a small book towards the end of the Old Testament. Um, but this is kind of off subject, but I love this quote as I was, uh, it was for school last semester, uh, I was reading this in a Christian history and thought class when it came to the validity of Scripture through human writing, because I think some people get caught up on that. If it's God's Word, can, can we trust humans to interpret God's Word correctly? And I love this perspective. It said, if God wished to give His people a series of letters like Paul's, for instance, He prepared a Paul to write them. And the Paul He brought to the task was a Paul who spontaneously would write just such letters. <laughs> And so God actually prepares people to be his mouthpiece. And so it is his word. It's valid because he prepares people. If you can't trust God to use humans, your God's not big enough, right? He's that good that he would prepare man to communicate his message to humanity. And so I love the Bible. Um, and we're going to go to the book of, of, of Haggai. But before we do, um, uh, I want to talk about, about the setting of it and it's right in between uh, Zephaniah and Zechariah, and so if you need to use your table of contents in your Bible, please do. <laughs> I never feel ashamed for going to the front of the Bible, and if anyone next to you is judging you, tell them to find another church. <laughs> this isn't that place. Um, find it. Go to the table of contents, whatever you have to do to find it. Um, but <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was rude. We love you too if you judge. It's harder not to judge the people who judge. And then you turn into a judge. Yeah, whatever. Um, but Haggai, he, he was a prophet of God. And he was in, in Jerusalem when the Jews had come back to their own country after being in exile. So they had been gone from their home country. They come back and God appoints Haggai to be a prophet, to be his mouthpiece to a nation. And um, at this point in time, the, the, the Jews, they faced a little opposition in what they were called to do. They were called to rebuild the temple. But there's a bit of opposition, so they stopped. And in comes Haggai and says, you got to continue doing what God said to do. you got to pick up where you left off and continue on. Don't be discouraged. And um, so in this, this passage of Scripture, there's, it's God questioning the priorities of a nation. He, he, he comes in with, with a bit of a challenging word, a bit of a rebuke almost, and he, he questions a priority of an entire people group because they faced a little opposition. But he goes on because God's good and he's generous and he's really kind and encourages them to keep going. He actually gives them exactly what they need to finish the task. And so in these two short um, chapters, there's actually a whole lot that we can learn as the New Testament church. Amen? And we look at the Old Testament through the eyes of Jesus. It's redeemed by the blood of Jesus, uh, the way we look at it. But 
The reason I'm talking about Haggai um, is because back in October, I think I might have mentioned this last week, I was sitting on, on the porch of a friend's house in San Francisco, and I was feeling incredibly overwhelmed because, as you know, um, in our church's history, there's just been these prophetic messages about the city of San Francisco, and it's something that wrecks me on a regular basis, and I just, I, I, I weep for the, for the city, and I, I carry this burden, and last time my wife and I were there, we, we were on a boat to Alcatraz. And uh, we looked back at the city, and we, we were both crying. <laughs> no words spoken. We said, what is it? There's just something about the city. There's gold here. And um, oh, it's happening again. Um, but I, I was just feeling overwhelmed, and I had never looked at the, at the book of Haggai. It wasn't part of my daily reading plan. Sorry if that offends you if I'm not spiritual enough, but it just wasn't somewhere that I went every day. Um, I just keep it basic. And, but God led me to Haggai, and he talks about what we're going to talk about, and it changed everything for me, the way I do life and ministry and what I'm believing for this year. And um, as we go into this year, we're, we're doing a Daniel fast. Who's excited for that? A Daniel fast. Um, and just so you know, like, we're, n- we're not strict on doing a Daniel fast. It's what we're choosing to do, um, some of the leadership. But if you want to fast television for 21 days, if you feel like that's something that, that could be a good sacrifice and get you into a place where you can really connect with God, then, then do that. If you need to quit drugs for, for 21 days, do it, and then keep quitting after that as well. Um, <laughs> Whatever it is for you for 21 days, but I just wanted to make you guys aware of the awesome resource we have um, in our app. So this is available on Apple and Android, um, and right there on the, the, the main page, there's a Daniel Fast um, click-through, and there's already on there a little bit about what fasting is, uh, what you can and can't eat. There's some recipes on there, and then every day, if you set your notifications on, every morning, there's going to be a good, a good morning from us. And um, you can swipe that open, and there's going to be an emphasis of the day of what we're praying and believing for. So for 21 days, you're going to get a little notification. We're going to be praying together on the same themes, which I think is really cool. I mean, technology can actually be really powerful because it brings a unity instantly. We can hit a button, and everyone gets a notification. That's cool. Um, so download that, Equipper CC app, if you want to follow along. I highly encourage you to, um, and look into some recipes and things. But uh, the title of my message today is, is Whose House Are You Building? And we're going to get into Haggai here, and I'm, I'm just going to read the whole first chapter. Is that okay? No? Yes. Cool. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shithi that guy, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have, in, in other versions right there, they said, consider what you're doing. Consider your ways. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. That sounds frustrating. (laughs) Doesn't that sound frustrating? It continues on. It says this, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Consider your ways. Consider what you're doing. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills and drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Sounds frustrating. <laughs> Here we go, verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shezir, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. Come on. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from God. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Sh- governor of Judah, 
and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and he sparked the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's army, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. Um, isn't that beautiful? I, I love the term in there, he sparked their enthusiasm. He sparked a people's enthusiasm. That's what I want to talk about today is what happens when God sparks our enthusiasm. Other versions say stirred their spirit. God stirred their spirit. And um, it continues on in, in Haggai in, in chapter 2. This is what happens. It, God promises this, that the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Um, and in this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. I mean, no, that's a good promise. I'm believing that for, for this church even, that the glory that we stand in this year is going to be greater than the glory that we stood in the past. I think it's really easy sometimes to look at our lives and, and live in the glory days when all the while there's a better glory day ahead, right? We get so caught up in what happened then that we, we maybe like these people, they had found some success in their, their, their reunification back to home and that the motivation and the opposition didn't have to be much to finish the task that was before them. And so they were maybe rejoicing in a glory that God had granted, all the while forgetting the greater glory that God was bringing. And I, I am personally convicted this year that God is going to bring a greater glory. I just feel, usually, you know, with a new year, yeah, someone celebrate that. Um, you know, sometimes with, with a new year, uh, I just kind of float through it. You know, I, I think sometimes it's just like another day, and um, this year I, I feel stirred. I, I feel excited, um, but what I'm fasting for, the reason why I introduced the Daniel fast is I'm fasting to get priorities straight. <laughs> that, that's my motivation, and my motivation for this church, and, and I don't mean to, to, to sound rude and say that your priorities aren't in, in, in tra on track or anything. All I'm saying is that I want this year our priorities to be straight. I want to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, I'm really believing for some things this year um, with a sense of urgency. I believe that this year we could see the Clark Center filled. I believe that because there's a greater glory this year. I believe that this year, here's, here's something that I'm hungry for, is that at the end of this year, our attendance, there would be more new Christians than there would be church hoppers. <laughs> and we're all about, if you need a place and, and you were at a church, you're welcome here. It's home please. Um, but we're here to seek and save that which was lost. And you were just lost in your directions to the other church and found this church, which thank you for getting lost and ending up here. We need you desperately, and we love having you here. But what I would love is at the end of 2018 to, to look at who's part of our church and say, see more people who found Jesus this year than those who were already saved. It's a desire of my heart. I, I believe that this year our church is going to be represented in multiple cities, I genuinely believe that. I believe up and down the coast of California that within this year, within 365 days, we have the ability to be in San Luis Obispo, in South County, and maybe further North County. Maybe there's something that starts happening in the, in the Bay Area. I don't know, but I believe that this year, as our priorities are straight, God's going to establish his house in California. No one likes that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm believing that this year we're going to get a building. Yeah. Come on. Can you celebrate? I'm believing. We, we, love, we love the Clark Center, and we know that our mandate is to fill it. God spoke it, and, and it's happening, and we're headed there. Um, but I, I'm really hungry to find somewhere we can put our roots down. Anyone else agree um, that we can? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hungry for that. And I, I believe that the glory of this house uh, is greater now than it was in the past. And we could look back and, and say, it was pretty good, but can I tell you, it's going to be gooder. <laughs> it's going to be gooder. Can anyone else believe for something great in 2018? And so, um, the beautiful thing about this is you say, why would the glory be greater um, in the future, this rebuilding of the temple, we, in light of the enthusiasm on the people and um, in light of the rebuke of priorities and things, what would accumulate between that, the priority straight and enthusiasm on the people, what would accumulate that the uh, future glory would be greater than the past glory? And I believe it's this, is that when God puts um, an enthusiasm on his people, it's no longer about the church as a building, it's about the church as a people. 
right? I know we want a building, but really when he puts enthusiasm on his people, he puts enthusiasm on single mothers to bring revival to their homes, right? He puts enthusiasm on teachers to be Christ in the classroom. He puts enthusiasm on wherever you are in life as a business owner, maybe you're in insurance, whatever. He puts enthusiasm on his people on a wholesale basis that kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven wherever they are. It's an enthusiasm on his people. And Ephesians 3, um, uh, verse 8 through 21, Paul says this beautifully. He says this, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Here it is. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. See, God's placing enthusiasm on his people to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities. Verse 11, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ, Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I'd say that's enthusiasm coming into God's presence with boldness. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. Please don't lose your enthusiasm. Don't let your spirit be troubled. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, his enthusiasm, he's with us. He will make and empower us with his enthusiasm in our inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And he says this, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. How many want that? That's good right there. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ever, sorry, different version, I'm going off memory, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's a promise. Yeah, I believe that's what happens when God puts his enthusiasm on a people. Enthusiasm means absorbing or controlling possession of the mind by any interest or pursuit, a lively interest. It kind of sounds scary, right? A possession of the mind. <laughs> but how, how many know that I, my desire is that God would possess my mind? God would possess my decision-making process. God would possess when I have the opportunity to be led, maybe in a decision that is led by the motive of money or his kingdom, that I would choose his kingdom. He would possess my mind to make right choices. He would possess my mind to be in the right place at the right time, the right moment with the right person, that he would take possession of my life and put an enthusiasm in me to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what enthusiasm is. And I think we can sum up um, the, that Ephesians passage that God's plan was to reveal himself to the earth through rich expression of his church, a rich expression of his church. That means that it's the saints movement. That means that it's just not about come and see on a Sunday, which I'm believing that we'll have greater expression, the come and see, where you invite people to come and see on a Sunday morning, but, but a strength and a go and tell, that we would go from here and tell people in a rich expression of the gospel in creativity, in writing, in maybe it's in integrity in business that's refreshing for someone, a rich expression of the gospel in the world from an enthusiasm. And it, going back to Haggai, the, the purpose of, of Haggai was this. It, the God's message to the Judean leadership was to awaken them to spiritual responsibilities. <laughs> I believe he's doing the same thing today. He's awakening us to spiritual responsibilities, and the question I have for 2018 is, what's your spiritual responsibility? It, see, this goes beyond just goals and, you know, resolutions. What's your spiritual responsibility? When it comes to the central coast of California, what's been entrusted to your care in the spirit? When it comes to your family, dads and moms, what's your spiritual responsibility in your household when it comes to raising your children up? 
When it comes to maybe the way that you serve in church, what's your spiritual responsibility? What isn't going to go if you don't show? (laughs) That's your responsibility in the spirit. It goes beyond just making a list of goals on a piece of paper. I think it's something that God stirs within us. There is urgency to, to say, church of the Central Coast, there is a spiritual responsibility on you. Consider your ways. <laughs> Consider your ways. When, when you are living in luxurious houses, I, I just want to remind you that there are some areas that my house still lays in ruins on the Central Coast of California. There's still some schools that aren't reached yet. There's still some families that don't know Jesus yet. There's still some addicts on the street still. There's still some homeless people that don't have food. My house still lies in ruins. Don't limit that to just this building and this space on a Sunday morning. And I believe that from that perspective, God would stir something in our spirit to take a responsibility for our community, a spiritual responsibility for our community. Amen? And so I want to say, what's your spiritual responsibility? And do you have an urgency for it? I think there's something of urgency in this book of Haggai. And in studying the book, theologians would say the entire book hinges on the phrase, consider your ways. I mean, you know, when, you, when you're caught doing something wrong, there's an urgency to write it, <laughs> to make it right. And I, I, in Romans chapter 13, it says this, this is all the more urgent for you. Know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining shining armor of right living. (laughs) Now, there's an urgency for spiritual responsibility as a Quippers church, right? And this isn't quite light and fluffy, but is that okay? (laughs) Because I'm convinced that there's this... This is our message. In Matthew 10, this is a life verse for me. Uh, I will say it often. It says this, Jesus sent out his 12 harvest hands with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Here it is. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day, travel light. Isn't that good? Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Who's in your neighborhood? And can I ask you, whose house are you building this year? Is it kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Is it God's home established on earth, or is it just another year to set goals financially, academically, whatever it is? That's all great, but whose year is this really about? Is it about your neighborhood, or is it about what happens inside your home and making your world smaller and making sure that it's safer and and more predictable? Like I tell you, you have to throw these things out the window if you want to live a kingdom lifestyle. Predictability doesn't compute. I I don't think God even understands that word. (laughs) God, would you make it predictable? I've never heard that one. (laughs) It's not true. He's bigger than that. But right, that we would go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood with a spiritual responsibility. And that more than anything, my prayer today is that God would put enthusiasm on his people. That he would play, he would stir our spirits Because I'm not good enough to do this stuff. (laughs) You're not good enough to do this stuff. It's God in us who's willing in us. There's a scripture and a a saying throughout scripture that said, for God's name's sake. For his name's sake. See, there's this thing about God, and I've said this before, that he's selfishly selfless. He's selfishly selfless. Because all this is for his name's sake. And so I use this illustration is that I, I, I'm married to Lene, which I am very thankful for because she's incredible, and now she's an incredible mom, which has been really cool to watch. Um, and I know the way that Lene likes things done. I know the way she likes the towels folded, and, you know, she, she won't throw them at me if it's not right, but I just, I selfishly like to do things the way she wants them. So I appear incredibly selfless 
in my pursuit of keeping her happy, but it's actually incredibly selfish of me to be selfless. Does that make sense? And so I have a selfish motive in the way that I'm selfless towards her. It's the same thing with our God, that he is selflessly giving himself to us. He's empowering us with his spirit. He's giving us all the resource we need. He's giving us the grace we need for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's giving us his mercy. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. He is selflessly giving himself unto us for himself, (laughs) right? And so it's unto his glory that he would give us such provision that blows our minds. It's unto his glory that we would commit to building his house and and he would give us the energy to do so. He would give us the, the ability to set priorities straight. It's all for his glory. And I believe that when, even down to the most practical portion of your year at the beginning when you're setting budgets and calendars and schedules and t- planning vacation time for your family and, and with your work and whatever, I believe that the Spirit would actually lead us to set our priorities straight. That in this year, there would be a higher emphasis on the kingdom of God established on the Central Coast than it was last year. A greater glory. A greater glory. And he can do it sovereignly by placing his enthusiasm on us, by placing his spirit on us. And um, one thing that I was reminded, uh, uh, Shannon, you could come up and play some keys, and I'm actually going to invite my dad up in a second as well. And um, I was, I was reminded last night when I was driving home, and uh, I, I'm going to talk about Paisley for a long time, and I hope that's okay with you because she has wrecked our lives in the best kind of way. And if you don't know our story, um, my wife and I randomly became foster parents uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, we took home a newborn from the hospital uh, with about three days' notice that we were going to be parents. Um, <laughs> it was about a Friday, and then we had a kid on Monday, um, <laughs> and then we're going to have another kid in May, so, you know, pretty... Pretty, pretty wild situation, but, um, but so we get Paisley, and, and her, name, her name means church. Paisley means church in Scottish, <laughs> which is really cool, and um, uh, Paisley, she had a really rough start. Um, she was exposed to things in the womb that no could, kid should ever have to be exposed to, and um, so she was born into in, in trauma, and there was, she came out of the womb lethargic, and so I, when we first went to visit her in the hospital, we would get so excited when she would open her eyes. <laughs> oh, she's real. <laughs> she doesn't just sleep. But because of the trauma, she was, she was lethargic and apathetic. And, and she just lay there. And, you know, maybe a few minutes a day, she would, she would come awake and be alive. And um, I, I just felt that maybe there's some people in the church, in, in the Paisley, if, if you can go with me there, that have experienced trauma when it, be, it comes to the life of your dreams, that there's been things that have high, tried to steal, kill, and destroy your dreams and your visions or, or your spiritual fervor. Maybe whenever you get excited about something in the spirit, there's a family member that reminds you that it's not valid and you, you really shouldn't be making those decisions. You should think more with your head and not so much with your spirit. Maybe there's been some trauma in the beginning of life of some of your dreams. But I believe that for this portion of Paisley's life, she was placed in the best environment that she could ever be placed in. Um, I don't say that proudly. I just know that we're praying people. And so we brought her home from the hospital, and she was still pretty lethargic, wasn't she? And she, you know, she had just, that day before we took her home, was able to, you know, eat on her own. And, you know, three, three, I think three feedings a day is what they wanted to see before we could take her home. And, man, what's happened in the last three weeks is incredible. She won't shut up now. Right? <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. She's very mellow when she comes to church. Um, but isn't it awesome? Like, she just comes alive, and she's awake for a few hours a day, and she's, she's moving, and you're crazy, and you have to put mittens on her because she scratches herself, you know, and, and uh, we're just trying to keep up now, like, what, what's happening, you know? She's, she almost never opened her eyes that big, you know, and, and where before, you know, it's just like, it was almost lifeless, but there's just so much life there now, and, and her smiles are getting so big, and for so long, and, and there's eye contact, and, right, because... There's an enthusiasm in her. There, there's, there's something alive. There's something becoming alive in Paisley. And I, I believe it's prophetic for the church. 
Her name means church, and I believe that we're, there was once apathy, and there, we were once maybe a little lethargic because of exposure to things, that now there's a new life, and there's a new exuberance, and there's a new growth, and there's a new passion, and maybe some people won't be able to keep up with us any longer. <laughs> Can you believe that? And so I'm going um, to invite my dad up, and there's a, a microphone somewhere. Oh, thank you. Um, and, uh, and the band could come too. Um, but what I'm believing for more than anything is that we would see the word become flesh and God would place his enthusiasm on us today. That, that he would stir our spirits for something greater, a new glory. That we would really go after some things that we've been believing for this year. And the way I see that happening is sovereign. It's God in his movement. It's God in his glory. But what I wanted to do today, I want to open up the altar to anybody in this room that say, I could use a dose of enthusiasm this year. <laughs> I, I, I could use, maybe God, maybe God could stir my spirit today, because if, if we're honest, sometimes we don't feel up to it, or, you know, sometimes our, our, our faith life starts weaning and waning, and, and, and sometimes our passion for the things we were once passionate about, it fades because time, and, and maybe like these the, the Jews in Jerusalem, there was a bit of opposition, and when that opposition came, you forgot the task that was at hand. But today, I believe by the enthusiasm of our God, we will be back to the task that he set before us. Amen? And so if that's you, it, altar's open. If you want to come forward, we're going to pray for people and worship as we do, but you say, I just need a dose of God's enthusiasm. I need to uh, have an impartation of his spirit that he would stir something on the inside of me. Awesome. Come on, you've got a vision for something greater and you know that you're going to need this, this supplement of the Holy Spirit in order to get you there. Come forward, let's make room. There's a lot of people coming. Come right up. Come on up. And when you get to the front, if you would just stand with a, a posture to receive. Eyes closed, head bowed. This is something that God is going to give you as a gift. It's something that no one else can grant you at the moment. It's his enthusiasm. It's his enthusiasm. And so, Lord, right now, I thank you for an open heaven, that we would get a glimpse of our Father who gives good gifts in Jesus' name. And I, I rebuke anything in, in the, in the um, earthly realm that would hinder the receiving of your spirit today the receiving of your good gift of enthusiasm. And right now, I prophesy and I declare enthusiasm on your church, enthusiasm on your people, dreams to come alive, dreams to awaken. Lord, I thank you that journals are coming back out. Lord, I thank you that the notes on phones are gonna be so full of the dreams, visions, and realities that come to pass this year as your enthusiasm is on us. Lord, I thank you for the anointing to speak truth in dire situations. Lord, I thank you that those closest to us are gonna get a good dose of the gospel this year. Lord, I thank you that those farthest from us are gonna receive reconciliation this year because of the enthusiasm that's on us. There's no opposition that will hinder our receiving of your promise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, just receive his spirit. God, would you stir the spirit of your people? Do you have anything thank you, to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As you're just standing in God's presence, I, I just heard a, a, a word from the Lord so clear during worship. And it was a passage about um, when he, he spoke to his disciples and he, he had just washed their feet. And we know that he modeled that as a sign of humility. He said, I want you to do this to each other. As I've done to you, do to each other. But it wasn't in this passage, it wasn't about modeling humility. He just made this statement. He said, those who are clean only need their feet washed. Those who are clean, he said, the only thing that you lack, you're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. That's the last element for this total cleansing. But how he, he showed me that and he spoke to me, he said, if you look at that, and there's another place I, I got quickened to look at, it was the reason they were clean is they received his prophetic word. They, they didn't know what the mission was about. They really were still trying to understand what life was going to be about following Jesus and being disciples of Jesus. They didn't have it figured out. He just said, the reason you're clean is you've received the word that I've spoken over you. And the last thing you need is your feet washed. And I think about 
us, I think about people, the people at the front, people still in your seats, and I think about we get disqualified because we, we don't think we're clean. We're, we're engaging the culture. We're, it's just because of where you walk. It's because of what happens to the people around you at work, the things that they share at the water cooler, so to speak. It's the stuff. We, we feel like we get disqualified that we're not clean because we're just in and around the world. The Lord says, I just need to wash your feet. Come on. You're clean. Yeah. You're washed. Mm. We can't figure it out. We're doing this by faith. We're following Jesus prophetically by faith. We're responding to the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. We're saying yes when we don't even know what that means. If you're in that place, he says you're clean. You just need your feet washed. Because you touch the street. You yeah. touch things that have been defiled. You touch yeah. things that are dirty. But your heart, your mind is being aligned with heaven. And he's yeah, just declaring on. you're clean and you're yeah. qualified. Yeah. You've received this prophetic word. Yeah. And now watch and see what he does. Yeah. So I speak to your feet. Yeah. I declare a washing by the water of the word right now that yeah. you're that you are not disqualified. You yeah. are positioned by God. You yeah. are already clean. You're already yeah. purged. You have already been yeah. pruned. And you're positioned to be commissioned and to be sent by you. Yeah. So, Lord, I ask you that you would flood right now by your spirit from heaven. You'd yeah. put a download, Jesus a name. download over hearts, yeah. a download over minds yeah. right now. And yeah. we declare you are qualified. You are called. Yeah. He said that you didn't choose him, but he chose you, and he has ordained you to bring forth fruit. He's commissioned you. Yeah. What's it look like? I'm not sure. You might know tomorrow morning. <laughs> Might know tonight. You might not know till next week. It might take till March. <laughs> it took pro the prophet Haggai two weeks before they were convinced to start the word. I don't know when that initiation is going to come, but it's coming. And you are qualified, you are clean, and you are eligible for a download yeah. on what your mission is to be in Jesus' name. And he selfishly loves you selflessly. So, Father, thank you right yeah. now in Jesus, you, Jesus' name. Move by your Holy Spirit. Yeah. Move by your Holy Spirit. Move by your Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. We thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Right decisions, God. Clarity. This is, this is one of the litmus tests I use if I'm hearing God. If I'm confused, I know I'm fellowshipping with another spirit. Mm. That's all. Scripture says there's more than one source of revelation. There's one, one source of inspiration. We've been called into fellowship. John said at the end of his life, as the eldest apostle remaining in earth, he said, truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. We write these things that you might have fellowship with us, and that's who we fellowship with. You got called into a communion with God by the Holy Spirit. Mm. If there's confusion in your life, you're fellowshipping with another spirit. Scripture wow. said God's not an author of confusion. Wow. So I speak into your heart clarity. Yeah. In Jesus' Thank name, you. right now, right now, right yes. now, revelation, right now, yeah. light, right now, clarity of mind, yeah. clarity of heart, Jesus harmony name. with heaven right now, peace to your spirit, peace to your mind, divine alignment, divine harmony. The life of God is flowing in you, touching you right now. The energy of God is flowing in you, touching you right now. Yeah. Removing doubt. Listen, listen, he changes the course of nature. Yeah. He changes the course of feet. He changes the course of life. What's been set in motion, what your expected end, what your expected destiny is, it's being altered yeah. right now. Yeah. It's being altered. The expectation based on the past of what always happens, what all, it's being altered. It's being changed. It's being shifted. You're clean. You're eligible. You're called. Yeah. You're commissioned. We bless that, God. We bless that. 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 In Jesus' name, Father, we ask you too where there's chronic things that have harassed our bodies. Chronic things that have harassed our physical bodies. We present ourselves to you right now. We present ourselves to heaven. We ask that you'd loose the healing angels in this room. Loose the healing angels to begin to minister, to move through, to touch bodies 
Right now we declare miracles in the name of Jesus. I speak to spines that are out of alignment. Say, come into alignment in Jesus' name. From the base of your neck to the soles of your feet. Healing in your spine right now. Healing in your back right now. Divine alignment. Strengthening vertebrae. Strengthening muscles. Aligning discs that are bulging. Things that are out of place are being aligned in Jesus' name. And he's saying this to you. He's saying this to you. It's a sign. I'm aligning you with heaven and I'm aligning your body to show you that you're in alignment with what God is doing. And we bless that, Lord, right now. We thank you for it. Healing backs of all kinds. Thank you for supernatural miracles. Thank you for the warehouses of heaven that have the miraculous miracles, supernatural creative miracles right now. We loose those over this. Ask you to remove metal parts where there's been things that have been merged in spines and necks that's causing discomfort. Ask you to remove metal parts, God, and restore perfectly natural, supernatural human beings. (laughs) We're designed in your image and your likeness to be healthy. We receive that, God, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, where nerves have been all bound, where nerve meridians in your body are blocked. We just thank you for life to flow now, God, in Jesus' name, Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Divine energy from God flow in bodies right now, in Jesus' name. Scripture said in one place, it said the power of God was present to heal. In other words, the energy of God was present upon Jesus to release miracles into people's bodies. And Lord, we thank you right now that that happens in Jesus' name. The presence of God, the power of God is present to heal. We thank you that you release that in bodies right now. Jesus' name. Take a deep breath. Thank you, Lord. Take a deep breath. Thank you, God. We breathe your life right now. We breathe your life right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Praise you, Jesus. Isaiah 40, 28 says, He never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of God's understanding. And I believe this is a promise for us today. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fail in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So God, I ask for a a supply of energy, a supply of your strength. Lord, I thank you that from the youngest to the oldest that we would be a church that's vibrant that we would be a church that walks into offices and classrooms and homes with a type of energy that is only explained by the supplication of your spirit. In Jesus' name. And come on, just one more time in a posture of receiving. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Come on, let's worship together. Just believe for God to encounter us again. Fall afresh. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. Yeah, come on. I'm still in your hands. Yeah, that's the truth. This is my confidence. You never failed. Oh, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. I'm hearing the Lord say, 2018 is your year. Get ready for the rain. Get ready for the breakouts. Get ready for what you thought was dry to get wet. 
when you thought was something was not going to happen, it's going to happen because you're in the too much God lane. And God says, I'm going to head on you. I'm going to put too much on you. You're going to have more than what you have ever saw before. I'm going to begin spiritually. Then I'm going to move physically. And then I'm going to pour out financially. They're going to know on the Central Coast that you're equipped by the glory, that you've been equipped by me. I'm a jealous God, and I'm jealous over you, and I'm going to pour. I'm going to pour. I'm going to pour. I'm going to pour. I'm going to pour, says God. This is a year of breakout. This is a year your dreams come true. The Lord's saying, dream again. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Central Coast that we love so much and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys. You're the best.